0: Welcome to Driving the Trains with Steve McKay. Hey folks, Steve McKay here. Well, I survived Chattanooga. I did a little recording on the drive back from the airport, but um, I got some new uh, mics on the suggestion of uh, another podcaster, uh, Johnny from Train Shuffling, I believe it was, and, um, you know, he said little uh, lapel pin, lavalier mics, as they're called, would be uh, better. But unfortunately, I'm still learning how to use them, and I overloaded the mic, and there's a lot of distortion on the recording I made. So instead of coming to you from the car, I'm actually coming to you from uh, Studio Super G, um, which is my girlfriend's condo where I, I live right now and hope to live for many Many, many years to the future, but anyway, uh, it's nice and quiet here and uh, I'm kind of fading because I got up at uh, San Francisco time midnight to catch a flight to get back here and it's about four in the afternoon. I did manage to sleep on a plane, but uh, needless to say, my neck is killing me because sleeping on a plane just isn't great for the neck. But I thought I'd give some observations on chattanooga while they're still fresh in my head and uh Let's start out with the fact that it was awesome. Just a great convention um about 60-70 people there playing 18XX from 8:30 in the morning till 4:30 in the morning. Now, nah, I guess not quite that late. My I didn't end I didn't go past 2.30 in the morning on any night, but I went to past 1.30 in the morning on every night, so quite a bit of uh, train gaming got in there, and I made it a focus to uh, try out a lot of different games, um, and so I'm glad I was able to do that. Got to play with some different players, too, although I played with some of my buddies uh, from the regular game group out here in San Francisco. Quick note, uh, if you're out here in San Francisco, you know I mentioned that uh, most of the time my podcast is going to be on my commute to our Wednesday night game. It's actually a public game. Um, We post on meetup.com, East Bay Train Gamers. And so if you're going to be in the area and you want to come out and play a game with some people who play 18xx on a regular basis, we meet over at uh, Berkeley Victory Point Cafe on Wednesday nights. Um, search for us on Meetup. We do request that you sign up, um, and it is a moderated sign up because we want to make sure we don't get uh, folks who are just looking for yet another game of uh, you know casual train games. Um, but yeah, you know it's open. Come and join us. Come play some uh, some 18 XX. But anyway, back to Chattanooga. Um, so the first thing I was absolutely shocked by was. I actually did fairly well in the tournament. I don't normally... Uh, Portland, when I went to Portland, we there's a tournament there, and it's a similar sort of thing. You turn in a score sheet. I don't think I turned in score sheets for half the games I played. I didn't really pay attention. I think I finished middle of the pack or something like that. But uh, I finished sixth um, in Chattanooga. I was pretty shocked by that. Of course, they only gave plaques down to fifth, so, you know, I didn't get any... Treasure to bring home, but uh, maybe maybe next year I'll manage to crack that top five. I doubt it. I'll probably be back to the middle of the pack. Uh, I got a chance to to talk to um, Clayton, the guy who uh, runs the uh, the scoring system, and because I wondered why I was doing so well, and apparently the uh, scoring takes only your top four games, and there was a bonus point for playing the the game of the. Con or whatever it was called the, the the theme game which was 1862 and I managed to get into play of that but the um, the main challenge is you got to do well in four games you're rewarded for the more players that are in the game and they only count one title each so if you're someone who's really good at one title and you might be trying to win the tournament by going around trying to convince large groups of people to lose to you, and I think there was at least one or two people trying to do this, uh, it won't work. They've got you figured out. you got to play at least four different titles, because otherwise you're only going to get points for one game. Um, and I guess my strategy of wanting to try lots of different things paid off, and because I managed to win several different games that I'd never played before, um, that was, uh, that was to my benefit. So yeah, I was I was pleasantly surprised. I, I still consider myself a pretty average player because in the group I play with, I win maybe 10 to 15% of the time. And I play with guys uh, like Adam, who probably wins 25 to 30% of the time. And Andy, who similarly wins that much. And uh, the rest of us, five or six folks, kind of split the rest of the wins. So Someday i'll be like them anyway um back to the con so one of the um the things that I wanted to do was to play some prototypes. I knew there was going to be some prototypes there, various different games, and you know I wanted to um to see what see what's coming up i' would heard some good buzz about some of these games and um there's some from some really good players um Lucas has his 1871 uh, Prince Edward Island, Um, and if you ever get a chance to play 1817 to Lucas and you want to be schooled and have a good beatdown, you know, go to a con and play with Lucas. He's he's supposed to be pretty good at 1817. I, I managed to get totally thrashed by Craig and Tim the creators of 1817 in my game of 1817. I yeah, there was five players. Um my buddy Jeremiah came came to the con with us. Uh he came in fourth and I had like half of his score. It was it was really bad. I don't And Jeremiah I think has played played that game only online. I think that was his first in-person play of that game. So, now I got that loss out of the way early and um Yeah, I I think the the official tournament didn't start till Friday. And I think Thursday, we showed up Wednesday night and played a game. And then Thursday, all day. And I I think I didn't come above third or anything. But I got all my losses out of the way early and did much better the the other days. Um, But anyway, back to the prototypes. So I got a chance to play two different prototypes. Uh, 1871 uh, by Lucas and Prince Edward Island. And then a game called 18 Alex. I'm assuming by someone named Alex. I didn't actually, he wasn't there. The designer wasn't there. Um, Jonathan Anderson, I think from the Portland crew, maybe he's Seattle, um, who finished second in the tournament, by the way, Jonathan is a fantastic player. Um, He brought the game and was uh, helping uh, sort of, you know, get some feedback and get some plays into the game. Um, And... And I wanted to touch on a theme that I saw in both games that being designed by different people. And so I, I thought it was interesting that they they both had the same theme. N- not from a like location or any of that kind of perspective, but play mechanics theme. The um the 18 Alex game is set in makeup land, fantasy land. There's it's not not a historical map, not a real map. Um and, uh, it's got some thematic elements, um, similar to 1841 companies can start other companies and can own shares, but unlike 1841, those, uh, companies can only own shares of the companies that they started or that they have a common director or something. It's not, not as chaotic as 41 with, uh, cross selling and all kinds of other exciting things. Um, and, uh, and so one of the one of the things that both of these games featured which is not necessarily a positive thing or rather is not a positive thing um is they had maps that didn't encourage interactivity um I played 1871 with uh, my buddy Jeremiah with Lucas the designer and with another gentleman who I can remember what his face looks like, but uh, for the life of me, I, I don't remember names well. And um, it, it feature, first of all, it features a f- really interesting mechanic. The, the, you start out with a, a major that has five locations on the map, and as the game progresses, um, players can um, take one of those locations and turn it into a publicly traded company. And so this major slowly dies. Um, it slowly loses location on the map. Um, it it can withhold and to continue to buy trains, but but really it's just sort of degrading throughout the game. And I thought that was a very interesting mechanic. Just just really um, added some some interesting gameplay. Um, but. But my buddy Jeremiah, he started, I, I actually ran the major um, for the first half of the game, and there's five shares that are auctioned off, and somehow they let me get four of them, so I was getting an 80% payout from this company that was just uh, going well. Anyway, Jeremiah, he started a public, and he started what looked to be a fairly good public, but it was off in one corner of the map. And Lucas started another public that was in the middle of the map um and uh the fourth player did not start a company he had spent too much on his privates, he didn't have enough money to start a company and um he but he was the only other investor in the major, so he was he was still earning, but he didn't have to make track lane decisions or any of that and interestingly you know, I looked around, saw where the early revenue locations were, laid some track for the major, and then I started, um, wanting to build out track for what, what I figured would be my first public company. I'd steal one of the major's tokens, and, um, I saw Lucas was in a fairly good area of the map, and, you know, a couple of track lays, and I'd be able to tie in with his, uh, track. So, um, I proceeded to attempt to do this, and Lucas, Noticed what I was trying to do. He's a sharp guy, you know, and he was able to lay a single track tile that locked me out of his area. Not entirely. Um, I could have blasted through a couple of eighty-dollar mountains and maybe two or three ors later connected in, um, but I wouldn't have been increasing revenue anywhere. Uh, I wouldn't be getting to any new revenue locations, and uh, it just seemed. Like too much effort, and so I was like, "Oh well, you know, I've got all these other tokens. I can focus on other areas of the map, and earn my money." Um, but in the meantime, you know, Jeremiah's off in his corner of the map. Lucas has effectively knocked me out of his area of the map, and we're kind of playing multiplayer solitaire, which is unusual for an eighteen XX game. Um, usually, you know, you have you have three sort of knives to cut your opponent with. I can, I can mess with you with the trains. Um, I can mess with you on the stock market and I can mess with you on the map. And so I care about all of those things. I care about what you do with the trains. I care about what you do with the map. I I care about, you know, how well you do with your company, because maybe I want to invest in your company. Um, but, in Lucas's game, which actually features very interesting track lay because there's no straights in the game, there's only curves. Um, there's one straight a private company can has a straight tile and it can lay it. It can never be upgraded. Um, everything else is curved, so it definitely melts your brain a little bit when you like. Oh, I can go from here to here, uh, but not with one track lay, you know. Um, so, but you know, it's like if it's just um, if we're just playing on our own section of the map. Well, then, we really don't care. you know we really don't care what you do um, and uh, and the interesting thing was that eighteen Alex was very similar in this regard it um, you know its fantasy map had a lot of gray and very expensive mountains, and so each player was sort of in their own little wonderland, um looking at their own little tiles and what one player did didn't matter very much to you. Um, and so I just thought this is uh, a an, an interesting that two games both appear at the same time from different uh, designers, and yet they both kind of, you know, have dulled that aspect of 18xx. And um, I think I think' I'm, I'm not sure the designers, understand that um or if it's a conscious design choice and i I hope there's some future designers out there listening to this podcast i'm i'm someone who likes to play a lot of different games um well a lot of different 18xx games i'm i'm tired of most euros and most uh you know social deduction and those sorts of games but i want some variety i'm not the player who's going to pull out the same 18xx every weekend um and so I'm, I'm hoping that there are many more 18xx designers out there. But, you know, quintessentially, you know, Francis Tresham did a great job coming up with a sort of design system. And Avalon Hill took that and turned it into something that has many more sharp edges than I think Francis ever wanted in the game. But it's something that, you know, Most 18xx players love those aspects of the game. They love all the sharp edges and they love the interactivity. One of the reasons why we can play a 10-hour game is that we're engaged during other people's turns. We need to pay attention to what they're doing because it impacts us and it affects us and do they buy that train you know do they issue that share of stock do they lay that token dear god don't lay that token you know um and if you eliminate one of those interactive elements from the game that better not be a lot of time and and so in both of these games track laying was hard um, more so in 71 and it was you know brain burning but I I don't want to watch someone brain burn over something that doesn't impact me. Um, I ran into Craig T., I don't remember his last name, Thomas. He's got another podcast who's, um, me and names, I can't remember which his podcast name is. I'll put that in the episode notes. Um, and Craig did a brilliant review um, of uh, the uh, 18GB um, and I've played 18GB a couple of times and we played it um, on weeknights and we didn't finish the game either time and we were very surprised because normally we're fairly fast players we have five hours you know we should be able to play a medium sized medium weight Xx in five hours and we were unable to do so and what Craig mentioned is that the track in in 18GB in is, is confusing. It's it's non-standard. It's got some very strange elements to it. It's got some strange cities, and so um, and you and some connections you think you should be able to make, you can't make. And so you sit there with the tile and you spin it in place ten times until you realize it's just never going to work. Um, and so you know he, he mentioned Craig mentioned you know I don't need to sit there watching someone learn to lay track. It's just not interesting to me. And and so if you're if you're going to make it so that I'm not interested in what another player does to lay track other than is he going to totally lock me out of his kingdom with a single track lay then and after he does that I just go off into a different corner of the map Um you've, you're losing some interactivity you're losing some excitement you're losing some tension and so as you design your game you know. Pay attention to what are the attack points in the game. Those are what people are going to, everybody at the board is going to pay attention to. And if there aren't attack points during major time elements of the game, um, I don't I don't think it'll be overly successful. Um and so, you know, watch that. Another interesting thing about the two games and a common theme that they shared was um last round mechanisms for huge payouts um in Lucas's 71 you run 4 ORs in the last set and so you're going to pay four times in um in 18 Alex um i think they've done something clever which is you run 1 OR but you multiply the revenue. You don't run four ORs. You run, um, you know, uh, one one time and multiply it by four, which saves a lot of time. You know, you don't have to, I want to lay track between each one and increase it by $10. It's like, you're not going to win by $10. Stop this. But, um, you know, the, the, the what it meant, though, was is that, well, in 18 Alex, I can't say for sure, because my buddy Adam absolutely crushed us and no one was close to him. And so, you know, maybe the end of game payout didn't matter all that much to him, but their, their payout multiplier was four X, which means that, you know, you're going to have a lot of position changing. If someone's been kind of chugging along and doing well, but they're they get tokened out on the very last OR, and so because now finally track is connected to, between different players, and so you know you get into someone's lucrative area, um, you know, or you save a token and you're one of the first to operate, and so you token, and then you're you have a big run, and everybody else's run gets cut at the end or something like that, and again going back to like tension and why I play games and why I play the 18xx games. It's like if I'm going to spend four hours laying the foundations for my position and then the last 20 minutes of the game decide the outcome. And if I've laid my, you know, we find out whose foundation is best, um, as opposed to, you know, the results during the middle of the game, the earnings during the middle of the game matter, um, I'm, I'm not interested in, you know, having the first four hours of the game not really matter too much and just setting up that last big end run. Um, 1822 is somewhat similar to that. It's less similar to that. Well, no, it's not. It's similar to that. It's you know, it's all about those huge runs at the end of the game. And, um, you know, I, I, 1822 is not my favorite game. I played it like three or four times and I've kind of gone, this is a really long game. And I don't think it's interesting after a certain point. Like, I and and, and the big end game payouts are what, you know, pays and and what determines the game. And so I don't play 22 a whole lot. Um, One of my buddies, he loves that game. It's one of his favorite games and he, he always wants to play it. Now, I got a chance to play um, eighteen twenty two MRS, and I've also uh, at the convention. I've also played um, MEX eighteen twenty two ME or MX, and um, and I and it's shorter, and I've enjoyed that. Um, and I played eighteen twenty two CA once, and that game I actually own a copy of, but I. I would like to try the short scenarios because the long scenario just seemed, um, well, there's some challenges. I'll do a different podcast on that someday. Anyway, I got to play MRS. And MRS, we played it in, you know, four and a half hours or something, something like that, fairly snappy. And um, I really enjoyed the game. Um, but, and I maybe one of the reasons I enjoyed the game is I crushed people by a significant margin um, and so it's always feels nice to win, but, you know, at the end of the game, you know, my buddy Adam, uh, said, yeah, you know, we knew you'd won that game about the third or fourth OR set, and we didn't really need to play the rest of it. We just needed to play the rest to find out the total and how bad you beat us. And, and you know, all, all games suffer from that from a certain perspective, but, you know, these big end payout games. If that's you know all you spend four hours slogging away with no decision point um, that really matters all that much until the very end, um, again, if you're if you're designing a game, you know I, I'd like to see you avoid that kind of mechanism, um, and and and. So the theme that I I want you design, you would be designers to think about is 18xx has some core fundamental aspects that those of us who are in the hobby must enjoy. Otherwise, why the hell would we play these incredibly long, complex games that are about us, you know, math intensive as doing your taxes. Um, and so when you sit down to design your game, stop thinking about what you want to remove. I feel like the, the prototypes that I played, they were sort of designed by players who went, I like 18xx, I really enjoy this thing, but I hate that you can do x to people. Um, I hate that people can come in and mess with my track lays. So I'm gonna make a game that's hard for people to do that. And, and so it, it was like both designs were removing elements that are sort of core and central to 18xx, um, while at the same time adding a lot of interesting other things, uh, don't get me wrong. And, um, and, and so when you sit down to design your game don't focus on what you're going to remove from the rules of the core of 18xx. Focus on what you're going to add or 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 how you're going to slightly modify a mechanism. I just put up my podcast um, of my interview with Mark Derrick, and he said some, some very sort of profound things, and sort of now I understand why I like his game so much. You know, he... He, he he wants shorter games. He wants games that he can get people introduced to the hobby and they might enjoy on their first play. And and so, you know, he wants a low bankruptcy percentage. He still wants it to be there. He still wants you to be able to bankrupt and end the game. You know, and that that tension and that threat needs to be present. Otherwise, you know, it's not very exciting. But, you know, he sort of makes it a little harder to do self-harm. You know, you can't buy four or two trains in the first OR and train lock yourself. Thank you, you know, thanks thanks for keeping us from, from stabbing ourselves in the foot. But, um, you know, at, but you can still bankrupt in that game. I've played games of that where people have been put into bankruptcy, you know. But it takes a little more skill and a little finesse. It's not like, um, you know... Six player 1830, which takes no skill in bankrupting someone like it's just a little bit of Russian roulette of who's going to take the bullet first. Right. And so, you know, he's he's got Yeah, I'm a big fan of his games. And so Mark Derrick, you know, has he's added to the core rule set to hit a design goal rather than subtracted from the core rule set to hit a design goal. Um, and, and so, yeah, it was, it was very, very interesting playing these two different prototypes. Um, several people have asked me, what was your favorite game that you played while you were there? And, um, I went there with the mindset of, I wanted to play very different games than what I normally play. I, I achieved that to a certain degree. I mean, I like playing with my friends and we play games we know and like no one we didn't want to sit down in front of the table and say, Okay, everybody start reading the rules and we'll start playing in an hour and a half, you know. So there there's some aspect of of having to play titles you know a little bit, but I get got a chance to play Gary Marasca's, and I hope I got your last name right, Gary. I, I can't look at it and say it, not that I'm actually looking at it, but anyway. Um Gary's uh eighteen NYC, which is a subway game set in New York City. What a shock. And um now, Gary's games uh, get criticized for having a lot of what we in the 18X X world call chrome, right? There's like a gazillion elements added to to the, his games that are outside of the core sort of, you know, buying stock, laying track, buying trains. Um, and 18NYC, well... I, I've never, uh, full disclosure, it's the only Gary game I've ever played. Um, I, I however, have a copy of 18 Northwest and W and I edited the rules for Gary because when I bought the copy, I read through the rules and I'm like, wait a minute, there's a ton of unanswered questions. So rather than, I I sent Gary some questions, but then I said, look, let me rewrite these rules and if I've written them correctly, your, your game, I'll understand it. And uh, we had a couple of back and forths but but now that game has a, a what I feel obviously because I basically wrote the rule rewrote the rules was you know a, a good set of rules so I have some invested interest in in Gary you know I, I, I consider him um, you know an ally or whatever but um, so my review of NYC may be tainted from that but so NYC has a ton of of privates can't even begin to describe all the privates. It has um, three minor uh, companies. It has um, major companies that are affiliates from one another that give you discounts and buying affiliate stocks. And um, it's got a government railroad that forms and it's got not just you know it has subway tubes it's not track right it's subway lines and there's three different subway lines and so you're laying a yellow tile with a blue line and if you are from the red affiliate you can't run on the blue line and i mean there's there's a gazillion different things there's bonds there's a ton of different types of trains um and you know all sorts of different little map elements. Um, and I was the only player who would never played before. Um, but the other guys don't play it, didn't play it regularly. They're, they're friends of Gary's. Um, but you know, even in that game during play, we, we found a couple of rules, holes, you know, and I think Gary's friends are used to and they're like, okay, Gary, you can't make a ruling based on the current board state. What did you think when you designed it? Like, don't make a ruling in your favor here. <laughs> um, and, but going back to like, what was my favorite game? I, I, I think Gate Teen NYC is, is flawed. It's, it's in need of, of some streamlining in my opinion. I don't think Gary would agree. He likes the the gazillion elements, um, and, but but it was it was an interesting game. It, it had a lot of fun things in it, and and it was highly interactive. Like even though some people were operating, Gary was kind of operating on one side of the board, uh, but I chose to you know operate in the central part of the board where a couple other players were playing, and and it was just it was just you know highly entertaining. Even though, you know, there's no way um, I fully grokked the rules. There was all kinds of things that was like, oh, this is going to happen now? Okay. Um, and also, it's got random events, which is going to drive any 18xx player absolutely insane. Um, I got hit by, you know, I, I start a brand new company. I'm going to jump right into Times Square and Grand Central Station and and, like, dominate the world and i start my company and we enter the or we turn over the event card and world war one breaks out and you can't build any track and these stations and it's like what huh i'm like wait, wait a minute i was gonna lay a token in grand central this turn um and so i you know it, it's like i said it's not a perfect game but it was highly interactive i cared about what the other players did i i didn't you know I didn't just sit there and wait for my turn and not pay attention. And, um, and so I got to go think back and see if there are any other games that I played that were better than that. But, um, yeah, I I mean, I, I really enjoyed, um, Gary's 18 NYC and, and it was because it was so interactive, um and uh i told gary i said i haven't seen the rules to nyc he just explained the game i said gary send me your rules you know sell me a copy of the game at cost and that that'll be my payment for going through and fixing all the rule ambiguities um but i, I want to play that game again and uh because it was so interactive now convincing my buddies who don't like high chrome games to to do this might be difficult but we'll see what we can get them to do um, so anyway, that's my initial thoughts on Chattanooga. Um, I'm convinced, uh, uh, I think I've convinced my buddy Adam, uh, when we commute over to Wednesday night games to, uh, to chat a little bit. So you'll hopefully get to hear his voice and not just listen to me drone away. Um, and maybe I think Jeremiah is also going to be doing some, uh, interviews and things. Jeremiah is a very insightful player. Um, and, uh, he uh, it was it was him that was talking about uh, the uh, the lack of interactivity in the um, 1871 Prince Edward Island about the track laying and things. So he articulated that very well. So that's my but like I said, this is my initial thoughts on Chattanooga. If you ever get a chance to go, or if you're thinking, should I go? It's a, you know, it's a, I got to fly across the country or across the world and. You know, Chattanooga has a great song about trains, and so, but I can't really think of anything else I want to do there, other than play games in a hotel all weekend. Um, you know, highly recommend that that event, and hopefully Mark is able to uh, bring it to us many years in the future because it it really is a gem. Um, oh, I do have one plea though. Um, when you go to Chattanooga or any other rail gaming convention, anywhere else where Axie access is played. I'm sure that you have a f- wonderful set of poker chips that you're very proud of. You've spent time finding $20 poker chips, or you've spent time having custom poker chips made for you. And what I want you to do is I want you to take a picture of those poker chips, and bring that with you to show us. But what I want you to bring with you in addition to that picture of those fantastic poker chips is the mini discount, mini chips that you can get for like $3 for a roll of 50. And you go on Etsy and you can get a mini poker chip container and bring your mini poker chip set so that those of us in the room don't have to listen to 80 people going clack, 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 with their poker chips for 14, 16, 18 hours a day. Um, the mini poker chips go tick, 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 and blessedly are quiet. So, anyway, that's my plea to you. That's my report on Chattanooga. Talk to you again soon. Hear the mighty rush of the engine, hear that lonesome hobo squall, traveling through the jungles on that Wabash cannonball.